I'm sitting in the subway station. Manhattan is my destination. On that dirty train, each day I live is much the same, and I think, what can I gain living in this endless game? Homeward bound, I wish I was. Homeward bound, home to Yerushalayim, home where my heart is lying, home where my destiny waits silently. Welcome back, everybody. This is Egal Siegel for Homeward Bound, the show about making Aliyah to Eretz Israel, to the land of Israel. Again, we're here on the Nahum Siegel Network every week, Tuesday night, East Time at 7.30, and we're also repeated on Thursdays. But any time during the week, you can access our shows on the archives at nahumsiegel.com. This show is sponsored by our good friends at Nefesh Benefesh, one 866 for any information you need about making Aliyah. That's 866, the number 4, and A-L-I-Y-A-H. Also, you can check their website at nbn.org.il for any information you need about anything that has to do with making Aliyah. And uh, welcome to February, everybody. In February, for some of you who are families who are thinking about making Aliyah in the summer, it is not too late. No, my family made Aliyah in the summer of 2005, and we made our decision to make Aliyah in March of 2005. So there's plenty of time, any time during the year, to contact Nefesh Benefesh and to start the process about making the big move to Israel. Today, we're very happy to present a conversation we've had with Nira Lee, Lieutenant Nira Lee of the IDF. She is uh, a native of Arizona, and she is the winner of the Bonetzion Prize in the category of uh, the IDF, or National Service to Israel. We're very proud to have uh, recorded this conversation with her, and we will present it to you right after this message. If you've always dreamt of moving to Israel and establishing a brand new life in the Holy Land, it's time to call Nefesh Benefesh, 866-4-ALIYAH, 866, the number 4, A-L-I-Y-A-H, or log on now to their comprehensive website for all the assistance you need to get to Israel, nbn.org.il. That's the Nefesh Benefesh website. Head there now, nbn.org.il. Okay, welcome back, everyone, to Homeward Bound. This is the show about making Aliyah to Eretz Israel, to the land of Israel. My name is Egal Siegel, and we're here on the Nahum Siegel Network, and we are very pleased to welcome one of our special Bonetzion Prize winners. Uh, her name is Nira Lee, Lieutenant Nira Lee. And uh, first of all, Nira, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. And first of all, let's uh, before we get into um, the uh, the reason that you won this prize in the IDF and National Service category, I do want to ask you a little about uh, your background. It says that you are from Arizona originally. That's correct. Where in Arizona? I'm from- I'm from Tempe, Arizona, right near Arizona State University. My dad's actually been the Hillel Rabbi there. He's retiring this year after 42 years. Wow. Wow. That's one of the biggest uh, universities in America, isn't it? I think now it is the biggest public university in America. Yeah. So Tempe, Arizona. So I guess you wanted to move to a warm place, so you came to Israel. <laughs> it's what I know, though I must say the humidity here is killing me. Oh. I'm used to, I, can, I can sit in the oven just fine in Tempe and in Phoenix, but the humidity here, I would take the 120 any day, any, degree, any day over uh, 
100 here with humidity. <laughs> so so when you, you came here in 2010. Correct. And do you mind me asking how old you were at that time, which we didn't be able to figure out how I <laughs> was 21. I think yeah, I was 21. I turned 22 a few months after I got here. Okay, so did you already go to college by the time you got here? I did. I went to American University in Washington, D.C., Oh, okay. And I hadn't, I hadn't planned on making LEI. It was a development that uh, came about during college, actually. So how did that happen? That's interesting to us. What, 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 what all of a sudden made you uh, think about making LEI? Um, during the second, uh, 2000, 2001, 2002, I became very attached, so to speak. So I had never been to Israel at that point. Um, I became very involved and I wanted to do something in the field of Hasbara, in the field of Israel's image. And, you know, when I was 12, it came in the voice of creating peace in the Middle East, of course, like every child. Right. And that uh, developed over time, after my first trip and second trip to Israel, to really wanting to work in the United States, from within the states, from within the government, whether it be through APAC, whether it be on the Hill, uh, to promote Israel's interest from within the United States. Okay. At one point, I thought about even going into the State Department and and so on. And then uh, my second year of college, over winter break, I came to volunteer in Israel, and that was kind of a turning point for me. And I decided that I wanted to to be here. Was that your first trip to Israel? No, it was my third trip, I believe. Okay, and what, what what was your volunteer duties? What did you do here when you came? We were placed in, to work in a school in Akko. And until then, everywhere I had been in Israel was really fun, exciting, nice, fancy places, Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, all the tourist sites. Right. And in uh, I came at the end of 2007, so it was about a year and a half, a little bit less even, a year and a half after the Second Lebanon War. And, of course, Akko was hit very hard. And the school that we were volunteering at was no exception. And a year and a half later... The government hadn't provided the school to rebuild, and there was shrapnel, and there was glass, and the place was completely run down, and the kids were so lively and so happy. And uh, we took, I was with the Hillel trip, the Hillel uh, leading up to the north, I believe it was called. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, there were about 20 of us, I don't think any of us have worked part in our lives for anything. No, it doesn't matter how much money, not a volunteer work. That was the most important thing we could have done for those kids. And it really uh, made me see a different side of Israel, a side that was more difficult, but also a side that made me feel more needed. Right. So when you graduated, you graduated in 2010 or 2009? I graduated in December 2009. I wanted to go to Israel immediately, but I also knew that it was the right thing and the smart thing to do to finish my degree, but I decided to do my junior year abroad in Haifa. Okay. So, um, so, and and so, you graduated in Haifa. Then, in other words, you finished your you finished your degree in Haifa. No, I did a full my my full junior year abroad in Haifa, and then I came back to DC. Oh, I see. And I okay. graduated. I graduated there. I finished up and graduated there, and stayed at home for a few months in Arizona, and then came here in May 2010. Okay, so when you came at the age of 21, so you knew right away that uh, first of all, I assume that you were in the Lone Soldier program. You're a Chayelet Bodelet. Correct. Okay, so when you came, were you able to uh, at least inform the army at that point that you wanted to be involved in Hasbara? That was your that was your dream. Is that what you wanted to do when you first came? Um, 
I was also, I was in a specific program that required us to, to be on closed basis, meaning we couldn't do any job where we went home every day. And a lot of the Hasbara jobs in their classic sense, the spokesperson's unit primarily, they're day jobs. And I knew it wasn't right for me, and I didn't want that. I wanted the the chevre, the, the friends on base. Right. But I wanted to, I told them I wanted to use my international relations skills. And that was what my degree was in. And I was, I drafted to the coordinator of activities in the territories, which is where I still serve today. And I drafted to their foreign relations department there. So I was working, I was using all of those skills rather than creating Hasbara material. I was using my diplomatic skills, my understanding of global politics and of attitudes and of culture to be a liaison between the IDF and the international organizations who work in the Palestinian territories. Okay, now let me just ask, before before we go on, is it that you were, because of your degree, this was something that was appealing to the army to put you into such a position? At such a honestly, yes. at such a young age, or is it because you you spoke English and Hebrew? What, what, it was more because of your... all of it together, the whole package. Here, you have to remember everybody's eighteen when they start. Right. So, for me, being twenty-one is a big thing. That's right. a big advantage that I'm twenty-one with a degree. In the states, to put somebody in a position of that importance is ridiculous. Right. But here, when I stand next to my Israeli peers who haven't gone to college, and a lot of them are very talented. I'm certainly not saying no, they're not. Right. Uh, I have a different level of instruction, and it, it, it so happened that my first year in the Army, I was older than my commander and had significantly more experience in the field than he did. Okay, so t- so walk us through your Army service. After you finished your basic training, What? where did you go next? What was the next step for you? I started um, in the job that I had dreamt of, which was in Beit El, the headquarters of the Civil Administration of Judea and Samaria, part of COCAT. And I was there in their international infrastructure project. I'm sorry department. to interrupt, but what we just, for our listeners' sake, could you tell us what COGAD is? Oh, sorry. Uh, yes, the Coordinator of Government Activities in the Territories. Okay, so COGAD is an army, it's an army office, or it's a governmental it's office? An army, it's an army unit that is technically under the, the Ministry of Defense, not under the Chief of Staff. Because according to international law, when a when a country has an occupying force in in territories under international law, it's required that that force be military and not civilian. Right. So for that reason, after 1967, what was originally called then uh, the military government, now the civil administration, okay, was formed. So I was, and the whole body is COGOT, and COGOT, the Coordinator of Government Activities in the Territories, is responsible for both the civil administration of Judea and Samaria and the coordination liaison administration of Gaza. And we have our headquarters here in Tel Aviv. And how many so people I'm are part of COGOT? Excuse me, I'm sorry. How many people are part of COGOT? How many, how many? I'm not even sure. It's a relatively small unit. Um, I, I don't want to say. I'm not positive. But compared to most of the units in the Army, we're very small. I have very few officers who I know, at least by name and name. It's a very small, familiar unit. And uh, we have a general at our head, which especially for being such a small unit, is, very, is a very big deal. 
And I, uh, I knew that there was a foreign relations branch, and I, I felt I was debating between coming to Kobot or going into the foreign relations branch of the army. The, the there is the foreign relations division, okay, which works a lot with foreign armies. And I felt that the Palestinian issue and territories were so dynamic and so interesting that I really wanted to be a part of this work here. And I started in Beit El, and then after a few months, I decided I really wanted to be in the field. So I moved to the Bethlehem Field Base, the District and Coordination Liaison of uh, Bethlehem. And I served there as a foreign relations soldier, assistant to the commander. For uh, about 11 months, we worked a lot with the Red Cross, different infrastructure projects, whether it be um, uh, roads or whether it be agricultural lands, kind of fixing up agricultural lands. Uh, we worked a lot with different complaints that they would have. We would process and try to answer, which is a, definitely a form of Hasbara. Right. And did you have a lot I, uh, of Did you have a lot of direct contact with the with the Palestinians who live in in the Beit Lechem area? Uh, in my job, a little bit less, but sure. They they come every day. The Palestinians come to the base, to our base, to receive permits to come into Israel or work permits, or even their ID cards. They have a special ID card that they can they can get, which makes it easier for them to get their permits and to pass through into Israel. So every now and then, if they had a lot of uh, need for extra people to help out in that department, I would go, of course, it's a lot of talking to people, a lot of broken Arabic, trying to do our best. And um, <laughs> I had more contact, I think, in my second job in with Palestinians themselves who live in Gaza. After I completed officer's training, uh, which was about an eight, nine-month process, I decided that as much as I enjoyed my service in the West, I wanted to try something new. And especially one of the really defining moments in my journey in deciding to make Aliyah was Oferet uh, Yitzhukha, cast lead in 2008-2009. Right. And I had felt I had already decided to make Aliyah, but it was before I had made Aliyah. And I felt very helpless. And I watched all my friends, I was here in Haifa, and I watched all my friends go to Miluim, go to the reserves, and all the rockets in the south. And I walked in my dorm room, and I felt very, very helpless. And I had remember saying to myself at that point that if there's another flare-up in Gaza, I want to be there. Right. And I uh, became the deputy foreign liaison officer to the international community in Gaza, where I served until just a few months ago. I served for about a year and a half there, including during Operation Pillar of Defense. And where and were you? There, I'm sorry. Where were you stationed exactly? Where was your base? It's the Eris Crossing, which is the pedestrian, the, the people crossing on the uh, northern border of the Gaza Strip. So it's near Ashkelon, near uh, Stereo. Yeah, it's about 15 minutes from Ashkelon. Okay. And 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 your job? What was your job there? What was the? What were your duties there? My job there, as part of the foreign liaison department was primarily, when there, when there wasn't a time of emergency, transfer, coordinating the transfer and approval of all the goods being from Israel into Gaza. Primarily oh those from the international organizations. So if the UN wants to bring in food or clothes or medical supplies or anything, really, it goes through me. Wow. And that's what you're doing today also? No, today, um, about three months ago, I moved to headquarters of the Kobat unit in Tel Aviv, where I am the head of the Hasbara department. Wow, <laughs> that's uh, 
So now the people who are in the field answer to you. That's what we're saying. In theory, though, sometimes it's much more simple. Uh, it's much more complicated than it sounds. It's, so are, so you're, but you're still officially in the Army? Oh, yes, absolutely. And did you sign uh, what's called KEVA? For our listeners, that means that, uh, that you're... That you signed for a longer for a longer stint, or because you're you're an officer now, you have a longer stint automatically. No, as when you become an officer, you automatically sign Keva for one year. Uh-huh. So I finished that one year, and then what's called second Keva Keva Shini okay. is generally a signature of two years. So I signed for another about year and eight months, and I have about a year and a half left to go, a little less. So this is, I mean, it's amazing to me. I guess I, I'm still coming from, a, I'm only here for nine years, and I, I have an American mentality, I guess, like uh, hopefully uh, most of our listeners do, because hopefully they're listening. Uh, so to me, a basically a 24, 25-year-old who is the head of Hasbara for the entire um, Kogat is, is an amazing, is an amazing, it's an amazing accomplishment. I mean, it's something that if you probably would have stayed in the States, I, I don't know if you would have a similar type of job now, <laughs> to be honest with you. I'm it's, sure I wouldn't. As much as sometimes it's very easy for us to say, oh, if I had stayed in the States, I would be making so much more money and life would be so much easier and we wouldn't have to deal with these terrible drivers. <laughs> I know that there's no, there's nothing I could do at an entry level job at age 25 that comes close to the responsibility and potential influence that I have here in my job. So tell me, when when um, when you were stationed at the Eras Crossing and you were in charge of making sure that you know the humanitarian humanitarian aid would get to the Palestinians, were you was it part of your job to make sure that the right people got it? Absolutely, I worked only with the international organizations. And it was a very interesting experience because a lot of the local employees of the international organizations are Palestinian. And we had incredible working relationships. It was very, sometimes it was easiest to work with them because a lot of the international representatives come and they switch out very frequently. And the Palestinians, they're the incumbents. They're there and they hold their seat for years on years at a time. And they are as professional and as knowledgeable as anybody in the system. And I developed very, very special relationships with a lot of them working. And, of course, they would always report back to me and, uh, and their supervisors, their international supervisors, when the trucks came in. Now, we also have the way of knowing because the Karam Shalom crossing, which is the crossing on the southern tip of Gaza, that's the goods crossing, it's there's a Palestinian and an Israeli. So we're able to confirm that the Palestinian side received the goods. And we're able to confirm with our, our counterparts in, uh, in UNRWA or in the WFP, the World Food Program, or the, the Red Cross, that they've received all the goods. And we also have such good working relationships with them. We have a, a very high level of trust. That's amazing. It's amazing that... Uh that uh, that in such a short amount of time that you're able to to rise to such a, an important job. I mean, this is a this is a key job, especially now we're talking about peace, to, the peace process, and everything that's going around on around it, and obviously the the controversial issues with you know where exactly is the aid going, and I mean you're right there on the front lines, making sure that the aid's getting to the right people and the people who really need it. It's unbelievable. I definitely, I definitely didn't take the responsibility lightly. And what's even more amazing to me is I didn't get that job primarily. That, the fact that I asked for it and I had the degree helped me get it amongst my peers. 
but that's it's what's called a first job, meaning anybody out of officer school is eligible for that job. Wow. If they're, for instance, my my predecessor on the job, uh, not to say anything bad about her, but she had no training. She Her English was very weak. She had no training in international affairs. And a lot of it just comes down to a common language, how to speak to them. Israeli manners are very different. Israeli culture, as much as here we like to think of ourselves sometimes as a little America, there are tremendous cultural differences, especially considering a lot of the representatives are European. And my ability, because of the training I've had in the States and working with uh, having professors who really emphasized a lot of the cultural approach to diplomacy was very helpful, but usually the job is manned by somebody who doesn't have these abilities. And I'm certainly no, you know, I, I'm 25 with a bachelor's degree doing my master's now. I'm certainly not some huge uh, person with tremendous amounts of experience myself, just comparatively to my peers, yes. Wow. Well, I mean, I think the message that uh, is so appropriate for our show, Homeward Bound, here is that here we have Neera Lee, who she herself says that because of the background that she had, the experience that she had in the States, it enabled her to make such a major contribution. And already at the age of 25, you know, you could sit back and say, oh, my goodness, I've done so much already for for, for, for Israel. It's just it's, it's, it's mind blowing. And that's why. Uh, it's it's very appropriate that Nira has won the Bonetzion Prize from Nefesh Benefesh for the um, for the category of the uh, service uh, to the to the country through the IDF and National Service. I I I can't tell you how impressed I am with hearing your story and especially what you're saying. The message is, and it, and it really has nothing to do with age, has nothing to do with anything else except that so many people who are in the United States now who have a feeling that they want to do something for Israel. It's it's. It's so much easier to accomplish bigger things here than it is if they stayed in the States. I mean, first of all, thank you. And I, I think that's definitely true. And I think the Army is valuable for that reason, amongst others. Anybody can have anybody who's willing to fight hard enough can have an impact in the Army. Right. And the reason that I got a lot of the accolades I got was not because I was, I'm so amazing and so wonderful. It's because I knew when I had to speak up. And I knew when I had the knowledge that maybe other people didn't have because I come from a different background. And during pillar defense, that's exactly what I did. And at, as a young officer, as a second lieutenant, I went to my, 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 my colonel and I said, this isn't the way to do it. I have an idea. And that's something anybody can do. It's not me. It's not me being special. Anybody can do that here. And then I think anybody who does the Army, whether they have, not everybody has their dream service, but I think anybody can say that it helps them become Israeli. Right. And it helps them feel a part of the country in a way that nothing else can. Whether you come and you have a great job immediately and you have lots of Israeli friends, I don't think there's anything like doing the Army, even if it's just for six months or a year. I've chosen now, I've been in it for three and a half years. But... Doing the army has also been for me the way that I've built my network in Israel. A good chunk of my friends are from the army, of course. Uh, my boyfriend is also in Keva in the army and career army service and wants to stay in the army. So, and he's Israeli. So it's really been my professional and my social development is thanks to my service. Well, I, you know, I, I, 
I appreciate your words. I want to congratulate you on the, winning the Bonetion Prize. The last question I want to ask you, Nir, is what's next for you? In other words, once you finish your Army service, um, do you have, uh, and you said now, you just mentioned that you're going for your master's. Uh, what's, what's your plan? Do you, have a, do you have an idea of what do you want to get into? Do you want to go into politics? Do you want to continue in the, in the Hasbara field, somehow in the private sector? What's, uh, what, what's, your, dream, what's your dream job? I think um, I my I don't want to sound cynical because I'm not, but I think <laughs> my my direction has changed a lot. I believe that the best, at one point that the best way to do Hasbara is either through the army or through the government, and I think there's that's not necessarily the case. It's certainly important and it's certainly a big part. And I I've been proud to donate and give to these systems. I think politics is not for me. Um, and neither are the government offices, though, you know, I'm always, I always have an open mind. But I really think I would like to get in to international relations in the private sector, mm-hmm. whether it be working for a company like United Airlines or any kind of airline to encourage Israeli, the Israeli market or the American market to come to Israel or working for any high tech company like Google or Intel or any of these big names, working to strengthen their connection to Israel and with Americans come to Israel. This is the kind of work that often it can be the best Hasbara. And that's something I think I would really like to get into. Well, that sounds great. I, I think you'll, whatever you decide to do, I am confident that you will succeed. Well, <laughs> just from, just from these last 20 minutes on the, on the phone with you. Um, we're speaking thank to Nira Lee, who, um, who is the winner of the Bonetion Prize in the IDF National Service category from Nefesh Benefesh. Nira, you ever get to Yerushalayim, to the Nachalot area, please uh, let me know, and we'll, I want to introduce you to my family. We uh, have Shabbat dinner usually on Friday nights at our house. I don't know if you ever get to uh, Yerushalayim. Well, not <laughs> often, but I can try, that's for sure. Okay, so uh, we'd love to, I'd love to introduce you to our family. And uh, we congratulate you on this, uh, on, uh, on this great uh, award that you've received, and we look forward to hearing great things from you in the future. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me. All right, that's uh, Nira Lee, everybody. I want to just to remind our listeners that, once again, speaking to Nira has uh, shown us just uh, that having a background like she did has enabled her to uh, make a major, major impact at a very young age, <laughs> comparably to what you could do in the States. This is We need people like Nira. We need people who are going to make a difference in terms of what's happening here in Israel. Uh, this is Egal Siegel from Homeward Bound, and we will be back after this message. If you've always dreamt of moving to Israel and establishing a brand new life in the Holy Land, it's time to call Nefesh Benefesh, 866-4-ALIYAH, 866, the number 4, A-L-I-Y-A-H, or log on now to their comprehensive website for all the assistance you need to get to Israel, nbn.org.il. That's the Nefesh Benefesh website. Head there now, nbn.org.il. And that wraps up another great edition of Homeward Bound here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Egal Siegel. I want to thank uh, Nira Lee for her taking time out of her busy schedule to speak to us about all the great things that she's doing here in Israel. And I congratulate again all the Bonetzion Prize winners from this year, the first year that the uh, prizes were given out by Nefesh Benefesh. And we look forward to hearing more about that prize uh, for months to come. Uh, with very, very inspiring stories of all the people who won 
uh, in all the different categories. Anyone who wants information, again, about Nefesh Benefesh, nbn.org.il is their comprehensive website. And I want to uh, just to give a heads up to the people who are actually in the New York, New Jersey area that uh, the annual March mega event uh, is coming up, and we will start giving you some more detailed information in a couple of weeks to come about what's going to be happening at the mega event. And uh, it's always a tremendous uh, uh, opportunity for people to learn about many different aspects of Aliyah, many different aspects of employment to communities, everything that you want to know about living in Israel. And the mega event is definitely designed to give you as much information as possible. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, Nahum Siegel might be there as well. So it's uh, going to be an exciting event, and uh, stay tuned for more information. And uh, always check on the website at nbn.org.il for when anyone from Nefesh Benefesh is going to be in the North America area to be able to have either one-on-one meetings with you, or you might be able to attend a smaller presentation where people will be giving you as much information as you need to make the big move to Israel. Again, this is Egal Siegel for Homeward Bound, and have a great week, everybody. Every day is an endless stream of disappointment, broken dreams. Mm-hmm. And each day looks the same to me, assembly lines and factories. And every stranger's face I see reminds me that I long to be homeward bound. I wish I was homeward bound. Sad songs again Lament this world of pretend But all my words come back to me This life of mediocrity Like emptiness in harmony I need Hashem to comfort me Homeward bound I wish I was